Hello and welcome to the Oxford PP Society podcast series commemorating the centenary of the degree. In this series, we're interviewing alumni and alumnae, tutors and historians to give an insight into the degree and its students, its influence and how it has changed over 100 years. Our guest in this podcast today is Professor Vernon Bogdanor, a research professor at the Centre of British Politics and Government at King's College London, who was formerly Professor of Government at Oxford University and Senior Tutor and Vice Principal at Brasenose College. Professor Bogdanor, um, I would like to ask you first about your experiences as a student in Oxford. And my first question then is, why did you come to Oxford to study PPE? Well, can I begin by slightly avoiding your question and going into the origins of PPE? Absolutely, absolutely. Because when I studied it, and you're talking to a museum piece, because um, I read PPE from 1961 to four. But it was founded, as you know, in the 1920s. And it was a very different world then and in the 1960s. Because the original idea of PPE, and you will probably laugh hearing this, is that one person would teach all three subjects. And the last person to do that was a man now forgotten, but quite well known in his time, called G.G.H. Cole. I don't know whether that name means anything to you. It did in the 60s. It does ring a bell. It does ring a I mean, bell. He's a great socialist thinker, but his books are rather dry and um, they're not read much now. But uh, he was the last person to teach all three. Though in the 1950s, there was one man who taught two philosophy and politics, a tutor called Weldon at Magdalen College, Oxford. And the point is that um, at that time when it was founded, there was very little written on politics and economics. And a bright person, someone who'd done philosophy, perhaps read greats, could mug it up in a summer vac, what was written in politics and economics. And also, at that time, dons weren't necessarily expected to do research, which they are, of course, now. They're committed to that. And if they don't, they're not given tenure. Now, Cole did write an enormous amount, as I said, though most of it's forgotten today. Now, as I said, I came up in the 1960s. And that also is a different world from what it is today, because PPE consistently does there of eight subjects, but everyone had to do tripartite PPE. That is, everyone did the same six papers, and there was very limited choice for your further papers. For example, if you were doing philosophy, you could choose from logic, formal logic, or the philosophy of Kant. If you were doing economics, you could do economic theory, currency and credit, the economics of underdeveloped countries, or the economics of communist countries. Developing countries were then called underdeveloped countries, politically incorrect. And of course, there were then a lot of communist countries in Eastern Europe, which had their own distinctive economies. If you were doing politics, there were two international relations papers, which are really diplomatic history, one between the wars, one post-war. There was a paper in modern British government, and there was a paper on the political theory, political theory from Hobbes to the present day. Um, and in politics then, it was a bit like the 20s. There wasn't that much written. You could mug it up in a summer's concentrated reading, really. And so the advantage of that was that all the students were doing exactly the same for the first two years and a limited choice in the third year. So there was a much greater sense then, I think, of students teaching each other because they were doing the same papers. Whereas now, two people in the same college can be doing PPE, but doing a whole range of completely different papers. 
it's a bit like a supermarket. You you uh, take one thing from here and another thing from there. It's much less concentrated, which I, perhaps in a conservative way, think is a disadvantage. Now, one of the things often said about PPE, which I think is quite mistaken, and I think even more mistaken now than it was, is that it's a soft option. And I think the opposite, that it's only really a good degree for good students, because only good students see the connections between the three parts of a school. And the idea was that instead of doing a single degree in economics or politics or philosophy, you see connections between the three subjects. But it's only really the good students who do that. The less good students don't. And it's much more difficult, in my view, to do a subject which has two or three, uh, uh, an honour school which has two or three um, subjects or disciplines than just one, like history or law, because you're having to think in three totally different ways, or if you're doing the bipartite system, two different ways. In my personal opinion, the tripartite school is much better, but also much more difficult. And I, I don't know whether it's done, but I think there should be a waiting in final schools for that, for people who do the tripartite school. I think it gives a much better education. In, in my own case, to, to give an example, what I got most from oddly enough, was the philosophy, because I felt later on that I could probably have taught myself the politics or the economics. But philosophy is involved mainly in discussions in tutorials, teaches you hopefully clarity of thinking. And I think in a way that was the most useful. But if I'd been asked to give something up after two terms, a prelim was then after two terms, I'd given up philosophy because you don't really get it, or most students don't get it until much later than they do politics economics. So I think it's quite the opposite to being a soft option. I think only the good students could see the connections. Now, as I said, the 1960s was a different world. And one of the ways it was different is that you had full employment and there were very few universities. So you knew, I think about 3% of the age group went to university, whereas now it's nearly 50%, I think. So you knew if you got into Oxford, you were pretty certain to get a good job at the end of it even if, frankly, you didn't do much work. And there were then many more students who didn't do much work. There were closed scholarships from the public schools. And there were a number of idlers in Oxford, uh, a much larger number than now. I dare say there are a few now, but I think not as many as there were then. And frankly, I think it's made a difference that students are paying fees. They have an incentive to make the best use of their money. Then it was completely free, I should say. You didn't pay a penny. It was all paid for by the state. That may seem odd to you but that's what it was it was part of the welfare state so you didn't pay a penny at all and all your maintenance was taken care of by the state and you knew as i say you'd get a good job at the end of it simply from having been to oxford even if you didn't do very much work so it was a different world and the reason i read ppe was not vocational but i'd done economics at school and thought it'd be interesting to follow that up and i should say another way it's a different world economics was then an arts or humanities subject. I think my generation was the last one that could do it without doing any maths. I never did maths A-level. Now, you couldn't do that now. And I wouldn't have been able, I think, to pursue economics to an advanced level beyond a degree, postgraduate level, without much better maths than I actually had. So that's another way in which things have changed. Well, it's a roundabout way of answering your question, but please get on to another question. Well, my next question would then be, I mean, after studying PPE as an undergraduate, how did you come to teaching it afterwards? Well, it was an accident because I got a job working for The Economist after um, taking PPE uh, and I was sent to Liverpool 
there was then a Liverpool stock exchange and I was told to master company accounts and how they were drafted and what their significance was. Something I found intensely boring, I have to say. I wasn't really interested. I realised that after a short time. And I knew no one in Liverpool. It wasn't such a vibrant city as it is now. I, I knew no one there. I was pretty miserable, frankly. But after a while, I got a letter from my former tutor saying that there were some graduate places available at Nuffield College. Would I like to put in for one? And I thought, well, um, anything, even Nuffield would be better than Liverpool. And so I thought, well, why not? And I then thought, what am I going to do? Well, you couldn't do philosophy there. And um, economics, as I said, I couldn't really do because you needed the mathematics, which I, I didn't have. So I thought I'd do politics. And I started work in political theory. And then there was another accident. I suppose most people's lives are determined by accidents. There was a fellowship uh, advertised at Brazenose. And I thought, why not put in? You've nothing to lose. And a lot of senior people to me who thought they might put in. But the head of the college said, that Brazen was only interesting in it, interested in electing someone in political theory. Now, the head of the college had no authority for saying that, purely off his own back to show how influential he was. That the, the, the fellows hadn't decided that at all. And so a lot of people senior to me who were not in political theory backed out, and there was more, it's only me left. So I was elected. And the irony is I've only written one paper in political theory, because after a while I decided that wasn't my interest, and I was more interested in government, in comparative government and so on. And so that's my field. It's very ironic, and it's a chapter of accidents, which is how I landed into it. But I really enjoyed it and um, enjoyed the tutorial system, which I greatly admire. And um, I'm rather sorry to the extent it's been undermined. There were then no faculty reading lists. Every tutor had their own idiosyncratic reading list, which I, I think was right, because there's no point in having a college system if everyone's doing the same. And I think the lessons which we've learnt constitutionally about devolution apply to Oxford. It's a federal university and each college ought to go its own way with its own tutors doing their own thing and that's a healthy spirit of competition and local patriotism if you like. So that's the story of how I came about my career. Thank you Dan. My last question would rather concern what it was like teaching the degree. So I mean after seeing it from both perspectives from the student writing the essays as well as from the tutor grading it, what would you say it is like uh, teaching the degree and how would you go about perhaps trying to connect the different subjects with each other? Oh it was all great fun and I was lucky I had extremely good bright students, very lively people and I got on very well with my colleagues and we did have some joint college seminars. For instance, we had a joint one in um, politics and philosophy discussing Rawls' theory of justice, which came out when I was a fellow, and we discussed various other things. And uh, we had some joint things with The Economist as well. I don't know whether that's still the case, things on policymaking, um, relationship between politics and economics. And there, there was much more room then. It perhaps wasn't quite so competitive. There was a more relaxed atmosphere. As I said, there was full employment for a the early part of my teaching career. And so people weren't excessively worried about perhaps getting a job. And uh, no, it was great fun. I loved it. And um, when I compare it with King's, I mean, King's is a marvellous place, but it doesn't have a tutorial system. And I think the students benefit from a tutorial system in two ways. 
Firstly, I think having to defend their arguments gives them verbal fluency and clarity, having to think for themselves. And I think um, having to do write essays under pressure, two a week usually, gives them fluency in writing, which is very useful. Now, some people say, well, that's just a career for journalism and no more than that. I don't think that's correct. I think it's no accident that Oxford does so well in the civil service exam because those skills are very useful, skills summarising rapidly an argument and being critical about it and then defending it when someone tries to point out the snags. I, I think that's a very, very useful way of learning. And I think the other universities which don't have that system suffer from it. And it's, it's very expensive, of course, teaching one or two students at a time, but I think very much worth it. Thank you very much, Professor Bogdanor, for giving us some of your time today. And thank you also very much to all the listeners for your interest. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and encourage you to have a look at the other podcasts in this series.